Northern Seminary and the Center for Theological Integrity. This is the pastor's table. Today's church leaders are weary and burnt out from trying to lead in the machine of corporate leadership systems. The pastor's table brings you conversations with local pastors working out deep theological convictions in their churches. Here are your hosts, Reverend Tara Beth Leach and Dr. Mark Quanstrom. Welcome to the pastor's table. I'm Tara Beth Leach. And I'm Mark Quanstrom. It's our privilege to welcome back to the table uh, Glenn Pacquiam, who uh, uh, was very helpful personally very helpful mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. in the last podcast so thank you glenn for that yeah and we had, we're, we're identifying uh the, the state of affairs we're identifying a christianity and american evangelicalism that is a transactional and individualistic mm-hmm. and i love the word you said atomistic <laughs> which is uh which which is not comprehensive enough yes. of the human person right yeah. the lord yes. saves our soul but our bodies and minds and heart and, and emotions are kind of up to us. So the atomistic is an important yeah. descriptor yep. here. So thank yeah. you for that. Um, and so in, 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 and we, last time we talked about um, how do pastors stay in, the difficulty of being pastors. But um, the difficulty does not uh, excuse us from leading it doesn't absolve us from leading responsibly mm-hmm. so how are we to help our people move away from an atomistic individualistic mm-hmm. i think i want to say gnostic mm-hmm. soteria- transactional sociology i mean yeah. church is not content delivery as we mentioned yeah. before church is more than that so yeah. as a pastor and you've been a pastor for 20 years how are you calling your people to participation in not only the life of Christ, but the life of Christ in the church? Yeah, I love that question so much, Mark. And, and thanks for the way you set that up. I think that's really amazing. Uh, I, there's lots of ways to frame a response here. Uh, I think three words that have been really helpful to me are the words encounter, formation, and mission. Uh, lots of churches, lots of people, lots of pastors use different ones, but that parallel in meaning. Uh, encounter to me is about being with Jesus. So, so that that put that in that bucket or put in that bucket all of the ways that we're inviting people to learn how to be with Jesus. And some of that is prayer together on Sundays. Some of that is worship together on Sundays. Some of that is encountering God through His Word that's being preached and proclaimed every Sunday. But the the culture of encounter is a culture where people are actually expecting to hear from God or actually expecting to to be with God. It reminds me of that. I think it's an Annie Dillard quote. You know, when we come to church, we should hand out crash helmets and get people to put their seatbelts on because the risen <laughs> Jesus is in the room, you know, Amen. and I, I, I think that and I, I mean, you know, it, it, it probably is the charismatic in me, but but I want people to have this expectation of encounter with Jesus. Uh, so so that even our, our our concept of soteriology or of salvation is not a one and done. It's not a in the yeah. past. And and actually, charismatics can be guilty of this too. They can say, "Oh yeah, I was filled with the Spirit five years ago." Like, hang on a minute, right. we're supposed to go on, you know, uh, b- being filled, renew this dynamic relationship with the living God. So that's encounter. And then the second word is formation. And for us at Rock Harbor, that primarily looks like an intersection of learning, shared life, and practices. And so when we structure the, the two main environments for that for us are. We call them table groups. They're basically small groups, but we want them around. We call them table groups because we're trying to get people to slow down in this culture of, you, you know, sort of on the go, get my meal delivered to me. And I'm, you know, to say, hang on a minute. What if you opened up your home? And actually in Orange County, 
just a little uh, pastoral aside, it, it's it's such a challenge because people feel a, a bit of a comparison shame with their homes. And so to say to someone, no, 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 mm. take the risk of vulnerability by opening up your home. It doesn't have to be nice. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't even have to be a home that you own because who owns a home out here, you know? But but just to open up a table, a space for people to be together. So our table groups, there's always an element of learning, but we really want that shared life around the table. And then we're, we're introducing people to spiritual practices. We also run another environment where that happens for us is through courses. And so sometimes people can't do a table group because they're like, I can't commit to a four-month semester every other week, knocking on someone's door. I don't know if I can do that. But we'll say, hey, we've got a six-week course on the Lord's Prayer. Or we got an eight-week course on emotionally healthy spirituality, Scazzaro's wow. stuff, you know. And you commit to that, but guess what? You're going to find yourself at a table with six or seven other people <laughs> as, as well. So again, there's still, there's still going to be shared life. There's still going to be learning, and there's still going to be practices and so that's that's a key part of it. And then the third word, mission, is we're constantly trying to remind our people that none of this is meant to terminate with us. So you, you, the encounter is not for your sake alone. The formation is not even for your sake alone. It's meant to push you outward into the world. And so whether that's you know learning to live or go through your day with kind of this missional um, mindset or eyes, or it, it specifically looks like local engagement in our community here and sometimes, uh, you know, global engagement. Uh, the idea is to join Jesus in his mission. So that, you know, do I, we drip that philosophy over and over and over and over again. And then we use that internally as our own matrix for what things we do and what things we don't do. It's easy to say no to a program or yes to a thing um, because we're always asking ourselves, is this going to cultivate uh, encounter or formation or mission. Yeah, and those uh, obviously are not discreet. They yeah. they uh, oh, I mean they bleed into each other, right? Because yes, exactly to have an encounter with Christ means you're going to be formed by Christ. Yes, right. And yes. there's no way that by being formed by Christ, you're not going to be engaged with His mission. And I mean, there's no linear order. Sometimes participating in a mission leads to an encounter That's with right. Christ. Right. And That's so those right. are three aspects of the nature of our relationship with our Lord, right? Yes. Yeah. And so yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you said that, Mark. I'm so glad you said that. I, I fully agree. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. Keep going. Yeah, no, no worries. So the worship service can can have elements of all three, right? And so one of the one of the ways I continually describe our worship service at College Church is this is a conversation between mm -hmm. you and our you and the Lord all the way through. And we're the prompts using Kierkegaard's little <laughs> parable right <laughs> we're the prompters but you're having the you're having the conversation in prayer and sometimes you're listening and sometimes mm. you're speaking mm. but this is encounter right yes. but i insist that people be together i yes. but that that's formative that encounter is formative yes. and yes. so it's not for the sake of an experience it's for the sake of being formed yes correct is that fair yes. that's I mean, absolutely the is, right the, the encounter is obviously important in of itself sure. but you can't have an encounter with the lord without being formed no so and, and uh but I, you have to kind of keep calling people to it you do you, it's it's constant and because i think even for pastors and church leaders we have a, a propensity to choose or prioritize one over the other and so sometimes you'll see a church go all in and say we're all an encounter to the exclusion of formation right. and mission and so then there's a 
I think there's a deformation that happens in that church where all of a sudden you you're skewing now into manipulating experiences with God or you're wow, hyping yeah. or manufacturing something because you, you just have to have a dramatic encounter. Uh, right. And I'm pick I'm picking on my charismatic peers here because oftentimes that's our Achilles heel. Or if a church goes, we're going to go all in on formation and, and you, you know, that church could look like a church that has forgotten its mission in the world. It's forgotten that it does not exist in the world for its own sake. Um, and 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 on on the other hand, I've seen churches that go all in, as you have. You know, you've seen churches that go all in on mission, and everything becomes oriented around the quote unquote the lost, the lost, the lost, the one, the one. And and you say, well, well, but hang on, are, are we actually growing at all here, or is every Sunday sermon an evangelistic message? You know, is every weekend gathering mm-hmm. a, a a crusade essentially? And and so, I, I think for us as a, as pastors, we have to always discern. Who's on our team? So staff, think about who's on your team. Where do they lean? Do we have a good cross-section of people who carry certain charisms um, that, that lean in one of those directions? Um, so think about your staff. And then you got to think about uh, different settings. Maybe there's certain settings or environments in your church that you say, hey, this is an environment where, yes, it's going to tilt more on the formation space, but that's okay. That's what small groups are kind of built. For. That's what they do best. So staff settings, and then thirdly, you, you know, you want to think through seasons of the church's life. I, we're in a season right now at Rock Harbor where I think, oh, we we really need to to uh, to shore up the foundations. You know, I'm, I'm I'm stepping into a church that's been 18 months was in a transition, and of course, like everyone else, coming out of the pandemic. And so before we can think, and again, you're you're never not doing mission or encounter, but we're we're putting more of this priority on formation so that. Uh, when those other things get dialed in, uh, or you, you know, we're we're ready. Those are three very helpful uh, paradigms. Yes, uh, if that's the right word. Those are very, those are great image. I don't. What's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? A paradigm? Does that work? You know, I I do call this that. I do call this a paradigm for understanding the church. Three different paradigms: encounter, formation, mission, and and the idea would be that we we embrace a generative tension between all three of those, not necessarily a balance. Again, it's not necessarily a balance Correct. because you're going to discern what season and all that sort of thing. But right. at least if you can wrestle with this tension, uh, then that's a helpful way to discern uh, a plan for your church. Yeah, I think I lean into heavy into the encounter and formation mm-hmm. because of my ecclesiology. And I have become acutely aware that, and I'm sharing this with College Church, that this year is going to be, we're moving into mission more intentionally than we wow. ever have before. Wow. Um, so uh, this has been, this the, the, those words are very helpful mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. So, so you do church by calling people to those three things, yes? Mm-hmm. Yes. How, how do you evangelize? <laughs> away from a transactional <laughs> soteriology into a formational soteriology. I love it. I love it. I, I mean, I I really, and this is not, it's going to sound like I'm, I'm plugging the Alpha program here, but I love Alpha and I was introduced to it maybe eight or nine years ago. But what, there's several things I love about it. If people aren't familiar with it, it's, it, it, it developed in London uh, in the 80s, right. I believe, maybe this late 70s. Nikki Gumbel in, initially created as like a new believers class and then realized, hang on, the magic of Alpha is actually for seekers or people with questions. And so 
for you know there are these beautiful film series videos that are made for it but i also know a lot of churches that that do the talk part of it live as we do here at rock harbor and the idea is it's a great meal you ask people to come if they have any questions at all for the church and i would say on average you're going to get 30 to 40 percent of people who don't actually know jesus and then you'll get 30 percent of people who who are christians with questions and then you get maybe a third that are just Christians who are there to help, which is great. That's about the right ratios anyway. Um, and what I love about it is it's a safe and welcoming space where questions are are uh, invited about all areas of life. And you're never you're never going to get anyone arguing with you. It's not the space for for Mister Apologetics guy to bring his best arguments to the like, you don't want that guy serving at Alpha. Um, and and it is a, a communal space. It's a space where you're sitting around a table with six or seven other people um, who are on the journey with you. So that's our primary tool of evangelism. But I'm very aware that right at the onset, we're trying to tell a bigger story than maybe what people have heard. We're trying to tell a story of a world that God made and got, that God loves and not just a soul that he's trying to save. I'll, I'll pause there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, yeah, okay, that's fine that you're pausing, but uh, you didn't need to. For okay, sure. well, I did, yeah, I just, yeah, I didn't want to no. just go on a roll here, Mark. No, no, uh, but I, I was liking the roll, and we're used to our guests <laughs> going good. on rolls. Believe okay. it. it was a good roll. Since <laughs> so, you did stop, so which is which is fine. It it occurs to me that Alpha is a methodology, a, a program, if you will, right? Yeah, yeah that yeah. allows for questions which is not high pressure in a Mm -hmm. safe place right yes but as you were talking we used the alpha at college church uh several years ago um Mm -hmm. i don't have a leader for it now so i don't Mm -hmm. do things that i don't have leaders for yeah but in any event i mean it was very effective Mm -hmm. um it occurs to me that that ought to be the spirit of evangelism as well as a program yes that one of the one of the cultures we created a college church was a culture where questions are possible yes and in in this post-christian world the delivery of a set of truths is probably not very effective whereas a relationship in which questions are received and understood and accepted does that make sense oh 100 percent the, I want to take the instruction that comes with Alpha yes. and say, you know, that should be the spirit of the church yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, can mm-hmm. I say that? Uh, 100%, absolutely. And I, I'm so glad you said it because um, actually one of the greatest benefits of Alpha is beyond the program itself and the culture that it sort of fosters within the church. Mm-hmm. Because, wow. because now people are not thinking of evangelism in a confrontational way. They're also not thinking about evangelism in a um, a decision-making moment kind of way. And I, w- I want to be careful with this. I understand right. that for a lot of people, yes. uh, the de- there is a decision moment. I, and I, mm-hmm. I, I, I totally believe that. I know that. But I think even for those folks who, who would say, yeah, my, my um, coming to, to faith was a dramatic kind of moment, I think even if we zoomed out, you'd say, actually, it was a point along a journey, a point along a line. It was an event that was part of uh, a, mm-hmm. a wider narrative. 
I mean, and one one just sort of you know fascinating thing. I'm I'm going to take a guess that that you guys like me love C.S. Lewis. And a few years ago, mm -hmm. Alistair McGrath wrote his biography of Lewis. And one of it, McGrath's big like oh aha kind of moments about his biography was that he was changing the moment of Lewis's conversion. And what he was trying mm -hmm. to say, but what he was trying to say is that. It's not just that one, you know, conversation with, uh, you know, Tolkien or whoever, and that's what did it. It was actually this moment and this moment and that carriage ride and that moment right. when he knelt down, you know. And so I think, I think, I think what Alpha does is it allows us to embrace a process with people, and it allows us to um, remove some of the pressure that maybe we right. we try to employ when we talk with people. It, Scott McKnight calls it a million gentle nods of the soul. Uh, and, you, you know, when, when I often tell my story, um, I reflect back to the moment when I was 16, you know, on my knees next to my bed saying yes to Jesus. But how many nods did I have before that moment? Yeah. How yeah. many nods um, did I have towards saying yes to Jesus? Uh, and I, yeah. I need the Lord to be saving me today, uh, yes. to, be yes. to be honest, right? Yes. I mean, I was saved. I was saved. I, I don't know how many times I've been saved. I got to just <laughs> say that. Uh, I, I need the Lord's yeah. present salvation now. Yes. Yes. And I'm not, in, I'm not neurotic about my salvation. I mean, I believe the Lord is keeping yeah. what I've been yeah. trusting mm -hmm. to him, right? Mm -hmm. yes. But as if we're not talking about atomistic soteriology, if we're talking about a holistic, a salvation that yes. invades your entire being. Yes. And I need that fresh infusion of the Lord's spirit. Amen. Pretty regularly. So, uh, yeah, decisions are, are, I mean, decisions are real. I mean, mm -hmm. you can, you can change direction. Repentance mm -hmm. is the mm -hmm. change of direction mm -hmm. for sure. But, uh, that's just kind of the beginning yes. of the yes. Lord's work in our lives. So calling yes. people, to being willing to proceed along a a way, yeah, would probably be uh, a better way of thinking about evangelism, inviting them into a yes. way of of life, a way of following yes. Jesus, right? Yeah, with all and of there, their questions. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, and there and there's something I've noticed, um, have noticed for a number of years now. I, I wonder if you guys could, you know, would say you've noticed this as well. I think there was a day when the approach to evangelism was first the individual and then the community or then the world. Right. You know, so, so right. hey, right. you know, if you died tonight, where are you going? Right. What about your right. guilt? You know, that, that sort of thing. So you're starting with the individual and the felt need is guilt. Mm -hmm. and, right. and, then you, and then you work your way outwards and say, also, he wants to repair your relationships. And then also he wants to save uh, the, the, the earth itself, you know. And, and, right. And I, I think today it's actually the other way around. I, I think we start from the outside in with people because I don't think the felt need is as, I, I don't want to say it's not, but I don't think the pronounced felt need is guilt. I think the pronounced felt need is a broken world, is the, is the, is, is the, the, the loss of shalom is how we would say it as Christians, but they wow. would say, man, the world is a mess and there's uh, what a divided mm. world and a hostile world and, and there's racism and there's sexism and there, you know, and they are, are you can't talk about sin uh, and, and begin with the individual anymore because it doesn't land. They'll say, oh, hang on, you can't tell me uh, that I'm what I'm doing is wrong. You have no. 
Okay. Well, let's let's yeah. pause that and say, but but tell me, what do you think is wrong with the world? And this is where, in our cultural moment, people actually are very moralistic about how they think the world should be. And so, mm-hmm. and so, oh, the world is a mess. And and I have found pastorally, this is even how I preached my my gospel or i mean every message is gospel oriented but if you will the christmas and easter good friday sort of calls i began by saying don't you see this in the world out there and do you know that god sees it too and do you know that that's why he stepped into the brokenness of the world to take the the weight of evil on on himself to exhaust the the blow of the enemy so that he could you know colossians 1 he could pull all things together that make them hold in himself and then, then they say, wow, that's great. I wish that were true. And then to say, and by the way, he wants to start with you. He wants mm-hmm. to start by putting your heart back together, your life back together. And that life put back together is a sign of the whole world that he that he means to put back together. And wow. I'm telling you, just, just personally, anecdotally, like people respond to that. People kind of light up when, when, when we yes. talk like that um, because we didn't begin with this you know, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. How many commandments have you right. broken? You're going to hell. They're like, I reject Sinners all in those. The hand of an angry God. Yeah. I, they're like, I reject all of those premises. I, I don't, you know, so there's no common ground there, but there is on the other levels. So we don't require people to make a confession of faith to participate in our mission trips. Oh, fascinating. Mm-hmm. We have people that are interested in doing good in the world, even if they don't know Jesus as their savior. Yeah. Our experience has been, that if we invite them on a mission trip, which we do regularly at a part of our church, mm. what they will discover is the need for Christ in the context of that mission work. Mm-hmm. And we did, we did a mission trip in Montana uh, and a, a person who was brand new to the church and wasn't a believer on the trip while we we're visiting an abandoned Western church, mm-hmm. uh, he had an encounter with the Lord and testified there uh, of coming to Christ as a consequence of being a part of the fellowship, seeing the relationships among people who confess Jesus as, as Christ. But mm. then it, by inviting him into being engaged in the mission, he discovered the Christ of the mission. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, what a story. I love that. And so inviting people into the community, even if they aren't sure of their confession might be a way of leading people to confession. Yes, yes, yes. Fantastic. Hey, this has been amazing. It's been a short 28 minutes. (laughs) Is that okay? Yeah. All right. It's been a short 28 minutes and out of respect for you and your time and uh, your need to meet other obligations today. Um, yes. we, we hear you have some final, <laughs> finally you have some sunshine there in That's Southern California. That, that June gloom is finally lifting. Yeah, I exactly. hear that it's been like Seattle out there. It has uh, been. Yeah, all it of has. us Midwesterners feel so sorry I bet you, you do. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We want to thank you for being a part of this conversation. It was really helpful to me. It was affirming yeah, to me. Yeah, I'm going to go back and listen to this one again. And, uh, so thank you, sir, thank for you your guys. for no, your I... being willing to be a part of yep. this. Yep. And no, thank no. you, those who are listening, to mm-hmm. uh, for plugging in again for listening. Our goal is to help you fulfill the call that God mm-hmm. has given to you, which is, after all, a gift. Mm-hmm. The gift of the call is the part of what is saving us Mm -hmm. so we thank you for listening until next time my friends may god bless you
fall 